Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 13, part two, or part deux, of Cool Story with David J. McNeil. Thank you so much for listening. To quote the Golden Girls Show theme song, thank you for being a friend. In part one, I chatted with the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mike Ross, about his early days in broadcasting and the tenacity and hard work it took to land him the coveted job as the Toronto Maple Leafs announcer. In part two, we discuss what it is like to be one of the very exclusive members of the NHL playoff bubble. We also discuss the benefits of speaking a second language, in particular speaking French in Canada. And finally, we shared a few more stories about growing up in Ottawa. So let's get down to it. Here is part two of my conversation with the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mike Ross. So talk to me now about this bubble you work in. So mm-hmm. uh, so you get a call and they tell you, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play in two arenas. One of them is yours. Giddy up. You got the gig. You get to, you get to call. You get to announce all the games now. So you're announcing, you know, you, you, the home team is, is a different team every night now. First of all, what's it like? to work in the NHL now in that capacity? And what is it like to function within, like, in and out of that bubble? Like, are you know, how do you come in? Do you, do you go through, do you get sprayed when you come? You know what, like, we don't know what, what happens, you know? So, what do yeah, they do to make yeah. sure that you don't bring sickness into the bubble? Um, the first thing I would say is, uh, you know, I commend the NHL and the, the three levels of government health officials that worked on establishing the protocol. Yeah, because the NHL has gone through this whole thing to this point without a single positive test. And the only way that happens is a the rules that were set up were set up in order to work. Um, Mm -hmm. And and there wasn't there clearly wasn't a lot of room for error, um, but they've they've done a tremendous job in in setting it up. And. um, And the, 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 the people going those living in the bubble and those coming in and out of the bubble also follow the rules and bought into it. Right. Because the biggest thing, think back to the NBA when, when they first set it up and guys were going out to, to bars or strip clubs and and it's like, no, you can't do that or else this thing doesn't work. Like it's, yeah, there's not a lot of margin for error. So for me, um, I'm not living in the bubble. So I haven't been at a hotel for a month, which mm-hmm. um, I think the, the people that was I've there talked discussion to, that you might have to do that at any point. Initially no? there was discussion. They weren't sure how they were going to really set that up. Yeah. Um, so the, the assumption was, you know, everybody's going to be in the bubble. And then, then they came to us and said, no, what they've devised was a plan where the arena is, it's been sort of divvied up into zones and you're, if you're not in the bubble, you are assigned to your zone and that's the only place you can go. So right. where normally when I'm in my booth up atop the building and I need to use the restroom, I come out of the booth, hang a left, walk to the end of the press box and there's a restroom there. Well, now I can't do right. that. 
because that end of the press box is for people who are in another zone. I'm in zone three. So I'm permitted to come in the building, get on the elevator right next there to the testing zone, go up to my booth. And then at the end of the night, go back. I can use the bathroom on the fourth floor on the other side of the building. So, so you're holding it a lot (laughs) Yeah, where you normally would be able to, to socialize and and everything else in the press box. That's not happening. So Mm. the first thing was you're going to be given a credential and there's a number on it. That's your zone. That's the only place you're allowed to be. That all makes total sense. Yeah. 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 And so when I get there and anybody who is in and out in the morning, when you get to the arena in the morning, afternoon, whatever, you go through the main gate, gate one, and there's someone who meets you there and checks your credential and gives you a temperature check and goes over a list of symptoms with you. And once you've passed that, then you go through security and then you walk straight to the testing zone. And you sit down and a nurse uh, sticks a swab up your nose, uh, both nostrils, and you do the the nostril test. And you do that every single day that you work. Mm. So I've I've had that test now probably 25 times. So I've Mm. I've done 30 games. um, And yeah, probably in in on 25 different dates and from there you go straight up to your workspace and that's it like you normally you know if i were doing a leaf game you're going in gate two which is uh, on on bay street you go downstairs and you see the the media relations guys and then you go over to the media center and you have dinner with like 45 other people and then you you might go and walk the concourse, go to the team store, up to the press box and go see this broadcaster and that broadcaster. None of that's happening. None no. of it. And and the reason, I th- honestly, that I think it's worked so well is everybody's done what they're supposed to do. So mm. so it's very rigorous and um, it's, it's very well enforced. They have um, sort of health protocol people that are that are watching and keeping an eye out for things. They have limits on how many people can be in an elevator. You have to have a mask on. They provided everybody with uh, uh, with cloth masks or, or medical masks. And um, and, and the, so the rules are, are quite strict, but quite manageable. And and it's it hasn't been very difficult. So part of your job is to be the announcer, but the the cheerleader for the for the home team. How does it work when uh, neither of the teams on the ice might even be teams that you uh, respect? Even you know, who knows? Depending <laughs> on, <laughs> you, you know, know? What? <laughs> that's a good, that's a great question, and one that I sort of struggled with myself when when I first started talking to uh, to my boss at MLSAE and and, and say, you know how how do we approach this? And she said, basically for the Bruins, right. Okay. So, so all of a sudden I have to go from the regular season where I would announce a Bruins goal like this Bruins goal scored by number 88, David Pasternak assisted by number 63, Brad Marchand and number 37, Patrice Bergeron Pasternak yeah. for Marsha and Bergeron at 1452. <laughs> 
to now having to be super enthusiastic and pumped up because I'm the home announcer for the Boston Bruins. Yeah. So, so I really wrestled with that one. Um, But basically what we were told was number one, yeah. Pump the tires of the home team. Number two, um, essentially we're Switzerland. So you don't go deadpan on anybody. Um, And so if we're doing, you're doing Bruins Carolina and the Bruins are the home team, then you're giving the Bruins a little bit more pep. Yeah. A little bit more energy. But she said, essentially treat it like you would a world junior game where it's Switzerland and Kazakhstan. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you're just being happy for everybody. And, and, and so, yeah, at first, Trying to figure out how am I going to be energetic for the Boston Bruins or the Montreal Canadiens, and it's like that—that that would never, ever, ever happen. Yeah. But what I had to understand, and and what was very, made very clear to me was, you know, this is an NHL event, and we're even though it's in our building, even though you're the Maple Leafs announcer, even though the the woman calling the game for me, uh, directing the game from a game presentation standpoint is my boss at the Maple Leafs games. We're not Maple Leafs right now. Yeah. Unless the Maple and, Leafs are the home team. And then it was yeah. great because I could just be, I could just be myself. But, yeah. but, but initially it was trying to understand how we're going to go about doing it. And the NHL, they were, they were wrestling with it as well in that they have, all the video presentations and all the bells and whistles that they wanted to incorporate in the production that they had to figure out pretty quickly how to do. And I think they've done a fantastic job. I, I really admire uh, all the production people, the game presentation people from, from the NHL for putting this together and um, trying to bring as much normalcy as we've been able to bring for the players and for the coaches. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Cause that's, people are gonna be that's watching- what it was about. Yeah, and people are going to be watching these games in 30 years on ESPN Classic or right. on whatever, you know, iteration of uh, MLSE, you know, has for looking back on on, uh, on classic games and stuff uh, in the future. I mean, and, and they, they, you know, it has to feel like an NHL game, like you said. You know, you can't, uh, you can't half-ass it. <laughs> right, and it's an NHL game in a very different time. There's no doubt about that. Um but as I said to somebody who was asking me about, you know, what's the coolest thing about having been the one of the announcers for, you know, NHL playoffs in the bubble. And yeah. I said, from f- strictly from a selfish PA announcer standpoint, mm-hmm. I can look back at this and say that in the summer of 2020, I was the public address announcer, the home public address announcer for four of the six original six teams, right? I was a home announcer for the Rangers, for the Canadians, for the Bruins, and for my Maple Leafs, plus plus all the other teams that came to town. Yeah. Um, But to have that, I mean, having done a World Juniors, in fact, I did two World Juniors. That's one thing. You know, I was Canada's voice, sure. And we were we were certainly more enthusiastic about anything Canada. But 
you know, in a tournament like that, you're the announcer for Canada, for the U.S., for Sweden, Finland, et cetera, et cetera. But to sit there and say that this summer I I got to be in the arena, I was one of four announcers in either of the bubbles to be in the building, witnessing it firsthand, and to announce for four of the original six teams. I mean, that to me, that that's a big feather in my cap. That's something I'm, I'm really proud of. And I know I'm going to be proud of for a long, long time. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, especially for, you know, having grown up in a, I mean, there were more teams uh, than that. We, we, we weren't original six kids, but certainly still uh, growing up during that era in the seventies and eighties and stuff. I mean, uh, the original six is just, uh, you know, Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I got a lot of help from from other guys around the league. I talked to a lot of them before the tournament started and just got a little bit of an idea of what they do. Is there anything that you want me to do? I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to replicate you. I I don't I don't think I should. I don't think I want to. And I don't think you want me to. Um, But I got so much guidance. you know, from guys like Michel Lacroix in Montreal, who sent me the 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 format of how how he announces. So here's right. the order I go in. Here's where you do French, and then you do English, and it goes in this order. And oh, nice! It was yeah. all about trying to make it feel like a Canadian's home game, or like a Bruins home game, or like a Carolina home game. And that's why I consider myself really lucky that the the community we call it the pa brotherhood mm-hmm. and we have there's there's 31 jobs in the nhl right there'll mm-hmm. be 32 next year but there's probably about 27 26 or 27 of us that are in a facebook group together we're <laughs> constantly talking to each other constantly yeah. sharing ideas and oh that's awesome everybody Everybody was on board to help out the guys who are going to be working this tournament. And in, in, a, in a gig that, that is sort of individualistic and can be, there can certainly be egos. Yeah. I've never encountered that with these guys. Mm-hmm. Everybody's everybody's just happy to look out for the other guy, and I think it's because we we also know how vulnerable we are in our jobs. Right? None of us have five year deals. Mm-hmm. You could be out at any point, and 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 we want we want our gigs to last as as long as we can. So guys are always willing to help each other out. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's what happened in, in, in preparing for this. Um, so many of the guys either reached out or took my call and, and helped me get ready to be able to work for their teams and, yeah. uh, and, and make it as, as close to the real thing as I could. Yeah, well, that's a great attitude that everybody's got. You know, the, uh, the rising tide float all, floats all boats. Right. View of it, you know, yeah. it works. It worked well for everybody. Everybody should benefit from that kind of uh, sharing that knowledge and stuff, and it's good for everybody. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, and it's amazing too. I mean, too, because you're on, you know, not, uh, you know, you're want to do this uh, as long as you can, but it certainly doesn't hurt to be on the radar of other teams and other people appreciate what you can offer. Uh, you know, uh, uh, that, uh, that's nice too, when others see your value and, uh, and see you bring value to their games. For sure. They play in this, For sure. Uh, weird and circumstance. That, and that's why, uh, you know, and, and you and I had sort of discussed this off air and that was how bilingualism French and English, yeah, you know, was really instrumental in getting my foot in the door with MLSE to begin with in doing that world mm-hmm. junior championship. If I'm not bilingual, um, I'm not, I'm not getting that job. And, yeah. and so the fact that, that I was perfectly bilingual, um, opened up doors for me, certainly in Ottawa, but even mm-hmm. more so once I get to Toronto and, and get that first world junior championship and the doors that that opened for me after that Pan Am games, Invictus games, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, absolutely. it's uh, it's been huge. You know, I, when I left Ottawa in 1995, a part of me thought, well, all of my, all of my years of speaking French, of going to French schools, all that, uh, it was amazing. Unfortunately, it won't be very helpful in Toronto. And I was dead wrong on that, mm-hmm. you know, because there's just so many opportunities where it doesn't matter if there aren't a lot of French speakers in, in the city of Toronto. There are, there are some, but there aren't, you know, uh, as many as a lot of other Canadian cities. Uh, but uh, it, services have to be offered in French. And then on top of that, too, you're in a big city where there's not a lot of people who are, you know, you, you, you become a, a much bigger fish. Yep. Uh, when you, when you, when you're bilingual and, uh, I, I, that's why I, you know, I encourage so many people these days that if you're not going to a French school or to go out, take French immersion or whatever, but learn a second language. And especially in, in Canada, like if you, if you, if you can, you've got the time and the will or whatever, man, it, it makes a world of difference. If you can speak French and you live in Canada, you can barely work in Ottawa, if you don't speak French, like, I mean, you can, but, but any really great jobs or great opportunities that come along are going to, are going to hinge on whether or not you can speak French and how well you can speak it. That's why, you know, uh, you know, it can be difficult if, if you, if you stick to your guns and you're like, nah, being Anglophone is enough. It doesn't really work that way in Ottawa. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's just helpful anywhere you go beyond that, you know, uh, being able to speak a second language. It can be enough it can be enough to, to, to get by, but why limit yourself? Right. Why? It's also a glass ceiling. And, and for me, um, being down here when the first time I lost my job in radio, being that I spoke French, being that there are, uh, there's a French, there, there are French school boards down here. And my wife uh, works, she's a, a vice principal at uh, the French public school system. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that gave me knowledge that there were jobs there. There were jobs within that school board that I've always been able to sort of have as a fallback plan if things didn't work out. But if I, if I just abandoned that French way back when and just said, eh. you know, when I went to high school, I, I didn't want to go to French high school. I wanted to go to Glebe Collegiate. Mm-hmm. My parents said, no, you're staying in French school. And, and I, I, I didn't want to buy into it because a lot of my cool friends were going to other schools. But yeah. as it turns out, it was the right decision. And I, I never forgot that. 
Yeah, we were talking about that the other day. Not long ago, I sent my parents an email and I thanked them for that. I said it would made a world of difference uh, growing up that way. And I have all kinds of opportunities that wouldn't have presented themselves to me if we hadn't gone that route. And that was all because they pushed for that and they thought it was important at a time when it might not have been that popular uh, a choice. So going back to the bubble that you now yep. function with and, and the, 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 <laughs> NH, the NHL playoffs, which will, uh, uh, you know, the, the Stanley cup playoff is, is not too far away. Um, what do you think that experience is going to be like, uh, for you and for, for, for the fans around the world to see, uh, a team win in, uh, this different environment? Um, how do you think that's going to play out? So for me, from, from a very selfish place, if the Maple Leafs aren't in the Stanley Cup final, I'm glad I'm I'm glad I'm not I'm uh, not being called on to announce the final. Because when it, when when the bubbles were first announced, it was announced very early that Edmonton was going to get the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final. Okay. So I knew from the very beginning that if the Maple Leafs went to the Stanley Cup final, I wasn't going to be announcing that final. And that just crushed me. Yeah. Because if the Maple Leafs are going to win that first Stanley Cup yeah. since 67, I better damn well be in that arena. <laughs> like, it's just, there's just no, there's no way for me to fathom not announcing that. Yeah. And, and I know that a lot of the guys, uh, announcers around the league sort of felt that way about not being in the bubble announcing for their teams. Like they would have liked to have been able to come to Toronto and go to Edmonton and announce for their teams. So I, that, I, I think I'd, I'd have that same envy and I, and I, to a certain degree still do to, to, to be able to have that on your resume that you announced for a Stanley cup final. Mm-hmm. I've, I've done, I've done a Memorial cup mm-hmm. in, 90, in 1999 with the 67s. I did that one, which was phenomenal. Uh, but to have a Stanley cup, on your resume would be tremendous. That's not going to happen, but I'm going to watch along w- with all you know the rest of the fans. And aside from a few differences in protocol or, or how they run the protocol in Edmonton, because it's a different local health authority, different provincial sure. health authority. Yeah. It's really a mirror of what we've seen so far. So I would yeah. imagine that there'll be a few more bells and whistles for television. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be exciting. If anything, the absence of a crowd in the arena has allowed us to hear the raw, real emotion of the game from the players and from the coaches and to to, to hear how that's going to be ratcheted up in a Stanley Cup final. I can't wait. Like that's going to be yeah. really, really exciting. Yeah, it would be. I, I, it is interesting to watch those uh, games and hear those games and hear the players calling out for passes and and uh, hear conversations with the the refs and all that. It does give you a, a better sense of what it's like to be in the player's head. Yeah, uh, yeah. How many times do you ice? hear people say, you know, that the players just oh, they're just seem like robots. They're just going through the motions, and now you hear you know, the cheers off a bench on a big hit or on a goal or when they're calling yeah. for a penalty, you know, to be against the other team. Um, 
it, it's absolutely shattered that whole idea that the uh, they're just going through the motions. They are not. Yeah. They're invested, yeah. and and uh, I can't wait to hear what it's going to sound like once we get to a Stanley Cup final. When when you know that the there there's just that much closer to the finish line and to that ultimate goal of hoisting the cup. Yeah. Well, it reminds me every time when I think about that, it always reminds me of the, the big Crosby goal in 2010 and, sure. and, and hearing him yell out like it's, it's like mm-hmm. all the sounds stop for a second. Iggy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does that moment, you know, it's seared in my brain. Absolutely. You know, those Absolutely. little moments where you can hear the players and, and, and you, and you feel like you're right there and, you know, just with that kind of accuracy and, you know, it's, it's cool. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the great things that they pulled off with this is the, the, the TV people that they have working on it uh, in, in bringing so many different sites to us through different camera angles, but the sounds and working in the, uh, all the sort of nuanced sounds of the game. Yeah. Whether it's the, the, the blade on the ice it it seems to me like you hear the puck ringing off the off the post even louder than you've ever heard it mm-hmm. and and the players i mean that that really is the icing on the cake yeah and i really like all of the sound effects in the crowd and all that that they that they pumped in because if nothing else it's not that i i need to be fooled but the more it sounds like the hockey game i'm familiar with the, the better the more fun it is it certainly helped us like for me yeah. Um, because I know that the first first game, first couple of games that I did with nobody in the building was like, OK, this is kind of weird. Like, yeah. I know that in my booth, it's a soundproof booth for the most part. It's probably about 90 percent, 95 percent soundproof. Yeah. So normally I don't I, I don't hear that the crowd. I don't hear the buzz of the crowd. Mm. I'll feel it if it's a big goal or something like that, but I wouldn't necessarily hear it. But now to hear like nothing to, there's, to feel no vibration or anything like that was really strange. And when, when they started pumping in the stuff with EA sports and how they can adjust it to react to certain things happening, you know, like they can, they can, they can hit a, an effect where the crowd goes, a little louder on a save or when you're announcing a goal and you announce the goal scores name and number and oh the all of a sudden the crowd <laughs> you know the guy hits a button and all of a sudden you get a reaction um yeah. that that really has added not only to the 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 TV experience but for the experience of the of the performers like that it's helped yeah. Yeah, no, I think the the NHL has done a, a really good job putting putting this together, and the MLSC's done a great job. And it's such an honor just to have uh, uh, our building, our staff involved in in this project, and 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 something that's going to be, you know, there's going to be an asterisk on this one, but there's also going to be an asterisk on this one. It's going to be a cool one. It's going to be one that we're all going to talk about. And we were there, and the kids who are growing up now, like they remember that they're part of it, and it's a big moment in our history. And and it's nice when sports. Are tied into it um it's 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 a unique time in our in our history i'm you know, glad you put nice it to that be part way. of it i'm glad you put it that way because initially there were so many people just 
poo-pooing the whole idea of sports coming back and the asterisk was a negative thing that, you know, it's not mm-hmm. going to mean, you know, if, if Montreal or Toronto win a cup, it's not going to mean the same. It's going to have an asterisk on it. And I thought, you know what? Yeah. It's going to have one on it anyway. This whole, this whole year has to have an asterisk on it. Yeah. Um, but everybody will be starting on the same level playing field and you go from there. And and yeah. let's see what we can make of it. And yeah, it's it's one that you're right. We're gonna we're gonna talk about for a long time. We're gonna think about for a long time. Definitely gonna get a chapter in my book. Yeah, you know, like it. it how can it not? Um, but to and be, somebody's gonna somebody's going to win a cup. I mean, I you know that's right. As Canadian fans, I grew up. I can I can picture just a just quick aside. I can I can. Picture my grandfather driving into the driveway. He lived out in what's the Green Bank area now. He had a little little house that was surrounded by farms. And we'd pull up on a Sunday afternoon in the car, and he'd be sitting out on the driveway on his lawn chair with his can of tobacco and his bottle of Molson and with the radio on listening to the Montreal Expos broadcast in French. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember it like it was yesterday. And he just that was his moment, right? His time to sit back and just have some time to himself. Yep. And and then when they, you know, when there was the lockout and that team that probably that could have could have won it all, uh, it was at 94, I believe. Yep. Yeah. You know, now we, now we Canadian baseball fans always talk about that, the year that could have been. Well, at least this is a year that it wasn't a year that could have been. It's a year that it's going to be. There's yeah. going to be a Stanley Cup champion and somebody's going to get to hoist that cup. I'm on that bus. I'm not on the way everything should have been shut down and all that. I think it's great that they were able to pull it off and that, that we have this little touchstone of normalcy in weird times. I think it's huge for people. Um, so I'm glad I'm glad that they did what they did. Glad the NBA is doing what they did as well. I think, you know, their bubble's pretty impressive too. MLB. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, they, they've managed to make it work. You know, it's, it's, it's nice that we have that for sure. I, that we I, still I'm have the games. We, we're not going to have a blank spot on the Stanley cup. And that says yeah. no, no champion, uh, this, this season or pandemic or whatever, whatever it says for 19, uh, back in 1918, 1919, whatever they inscribed on the cup that year. Um, yeah. it's nice that that's not happening this year. Exactly. We had this conversation the other day through text. I sent you a picture of my nephew, Gavin. Uh, he's very excited. He's starting high school and he's going to your old high school, De La Salle High School in Ottawa. And he is, uh, he uh, sort of auditioned or sent in photos he had taken and some stuff he had produced to get into the uh, audio visual or digital, uh, digital stream, doing the kind of stuff that we're doing. And so this is the beginning of his life in that regard, in, in, you know, working towards that. And I told him, I said, well, I'm interviewing Mike Ross and he's the, you know, the, I told him what you did and stuff. And he was like, that is cool. And he goes, I want to listen to the podcast after that. And just the fact that he now goes to a school where you went there, you kind of, you went through the same process and here you are, you know, you're, you're part of the, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs family and people know you and you get to do all these great things. That's super cool for a young person to see that and know that other people around them uh, have done that because it always feels like those are people from some other place. They get to those jobs and get those opportunities. Yeah. But you it know, isn't. Th- th- no, that's, that's a great point. And, and it sort of comes back to some of the names that we've thrown out here today. Right. I mean, you mentioned Tom green, mm-hmm. 
Tom Green, I mean, I remember Tom from just being around Ottawa back in those days when he was on, on Rogers and, um, and then suddenly he's married to Drew Barrymore. He's on the big screen. It's like, wait a minute. I remember that guy throwing, you know, boxes of French fries over his shoulder at McDonald's at the Rito center. Right. Like, <laughs> I remember those days right. and, and painting his parents house yeah. and, and putting that on Rogers. And, um, for me, you know, I think about some of the people that I saw in media growing up. And I think of, uh, you know, someone like Max Keeping, for example, yep. longtime sure. news uh, anchor, um, Brian Smith. Right. Yep. We, we just uh, we just passed the, uh, the anniversary, of his, anniversary his of, of his shooting of his shooting in Ottawa. Yeah. And, you know, Brian. I put out, uh, I mentioned on Twitter that day uh, a, a few weeks back that there's a guy who had a tremendous influence on my career. I was, I just started covering the NHL mm-hmm. and was trying to get a coach from a, uh, another team to, to stop and do a quick interview. And the guy could see that I was a young kid just starting out and just pulled what I consider just such a typical old school move where he just stopped, patted me on the head and in front of everybody sort of making a joke of me and saying, sorry, little buddy, uh, I'm all done for today and walking away. Mm -hmm. And Brian was standing about 20 feet further down the hallway. And this guy stopped to talk to Brian and they were pals. And, Mm -hmm. and, and Brian said, before, before we talk, he's, could you just talk to my friend over here for a couple of minutes? He just wants to do a quick interview with you. Mm-hmm. And that was that was Brian Smith standing up for me. Yeah, that was Brian Smith looking out for me, looking and, out for peers too. Right, yeah. right, and and yeah. and looking out for the next generation. Yeah. So that's why, to me, I I never want to take myself too seriously, but I do want to take the role that I the, the different roles that I have in in my various broadcasting roles um, very seriously and, mm-hmm. and encourage the next generation. Because to me, I've had so many great mentors over the years that have done everything they could to help me out. Like I haven't run into too many people in this business that have tried to sort of keep me down or felt like the next generation was threatening them. Right. If anything, they felt like we need to make the next generation better and yeah. and that's certainly something that, I, that that I live up to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's a great attitude. And that's why, you know, one of the many reasons uh, that uh, the Maple Leafs are lucky to have you as part of your team. So I, I wish you so many years of continued success with the Leafs. I hope you get to uh, to do this as long as you can and you want to. And you also get an opportunity to uh, to uh, announce some games where, uh, uh, you know, at some point uh, we get to lift the cup in our barn. And uh, it's not watching some other team lift it in our barn. <laughs> it's watching our team lift it in our barn. And that'll be, uh, that'll be exciting times. And I, and I hope that you get an opportunity to do that. Uh, and uh, I, I think, uh, I think, I think we'll get there. It's, it's been a bumpy ride, but we're going to get there. We'll get there in the next few years. I think we got the right people running the yeah. show. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. So I'm, I'm yeah. pretty confident that I, I've, I've come along at the right time. And uh, yeah, let's make this happen. Yeah, 
Well, thank you so much, Mike, for your time. It was a real pleasure. Uh, you're a gentleman, and uh, I can't wait to get back to Toronto and actually see a game <laughs> up close and personal in the arena and hear those players calling each other's names out because uh, I miss that. I miss it a lot. Well, thank you very much for the uh, invitation. It's uh, been a real pleasure, and uh, it's always nice to to talk to somebody not only who has a lot in common with you with with regards to what we do, but where we're from. And, and yeah. as, as I'm the voice of the Maple Leafs, but uh, I'm from Ottawa and uh, my family's still there. And um, I've got some fantastic memories uh, of, uh, of growing up there and, and starting to develop uh, my career there. So it's always great to share some stories there too. Indeed. Thank you very much. I appreciate right. it, Mike. You Cheers. Bet. Have a good one, brother. Bye. All right. Thank you. That wraps up episode 13, part two. My thanks to Mike Ross for spending time with me and for sharing his cool story. Thanks again to Jerry Stamp, who wrote and performed the Cool Story theme song and all other jingles and stings that appear on the show. Do yourselves a favor and look for Jerry's music wherever you stream. And finally, thank you for listening. Until next time, Pura Vida. Everybody's got a story What's yours?